You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. It's your pals, Grant Paulson and Danny Ruye, Bustin' Loose Baseball. We are on social at Grant H. Paulson and at Funny Danny. But more importantly, you can watch this podcast now live and in color. And, uh, well, you can make fun of our uh, unmanicured beards if you'd like to. YouTube, the 106.7 The Fan Page is how you can watch the pod whenever we release. Of course, it's available wherever you get your audio. Please subscribe so you know when we get a new one posted. It'll drop right into your box, and uh, we will continue to update you on the Nationals. What's up, Danny? How are you? Pretty good, my friend. Uh, The World Baseball Classic has been outstanding. Super, super, super fun. Uh, National star as as of this recording. Uh, Joey Manessis is still alive and kicking. They played Japan this evening, again, as of as of this recording. So I'll be fascinated to see their young 21-year-old phenom throwing 102 with a ghost splitter and and everything else that it entails. But Team USA has been a blast to watch. The, you know, People have really embraced this thing, which, which has been a lot of fun. And plenty of Nats news to talk about as well. Yeah, I worry a little bit about the Team USA pitching, uh, getting them across the finish line against a good team. Japan or, or Mexico coming up in the final on Tuesday night. But, but they're in the finals. I didn't think they'd be there, to be frank with you. I thought the yeah. pitching thing would have reared its ugly head. And I guess it did to a degree, but they slugged their way there. Yeah, their lineup mashed. Some guy named Trey Turner with a grand slam Trey heard Turner. around the world. Uh, what a good Turner. player he is. I would yeah. love for him to be a national. He's got power and yeah. speed, and he comes up big in big moments. Well, he doesn't play a, a premium defensive position, Grant. So, No, he's a shortstop. Oh, shortstop. Oh, shortstop. Hmm. I was looking for shortstop. One day, shortstop. one day the Nats will have a player like a Trey Turner anchoring the organization. Uh, but we digress. So the big news is, and it's not good, Cade Cavalli, Tommy John surgery. We posted a new pod with Josiah Gray last week. And in fact, the day that we taped and before it even made its way to the interwebs, Cade Cavalli while he was dealing, by the way. I mean, he looked nasty. The best he'd looked, yeah. In his spring outing, you know, I think it was in the third inning of that game, uh, ends up throwing a pitch, shaking the arm, did not look good. Paul Lassard walked him off the field, and we find out uh, it's official now. He's having Tommy John surgery to repair the UCL, and he will be out for the whole season. An absolute backbreaker and a completely crippling setback. For an organization where there's only, you know, a handful of storylines, I'd say, this year that are real needle movers, is Cade Cavalli awesome or not? You know, that was right up at the top of the list. What does Mackenzie Gore look like? Same question for him. And we should point out, by the way, that we've got Mackenzie Gore coming up on this podcast. We'll be interviewing him a little bit later on here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. But in the same way that 
finding out is Cavalli a front of the rotation type arm and does he take a big step this year? No, you're going to do the same with Mackenzie Gore, right? Uh, you have a, a comparable situation, I would say, Danny, with Josiah Gray. Now we know a little bit more about him and maybe the ceiling's a little bit lower for him than Cavalli or Gore, who are top prospects still. But in the case of Josiah Gray, like his development's huge. And then you'd throw C.J. Abrams into that list. That's like a group of four that stands alone. And then I would say minor league stuff, like Robert Hassel's not quite healthy right now. James Wood, Elijah Green, like that tier, and then maybe other players like Luis Garcia. But there's only a handful of things that really, really, truly matter this year because the win total isn't going to, and we just had one of those things taken away from us before the season started. And it may have been the biggest of all of them, Jeeps. This was a guy that – was their homegrown guy, which is rare around these parts these days, right? It, it's been a time since you've had somebody that that they drafted, they developed, that came up through their organization that helped them on a daily basis, or in this case, every fifth day. Um, and, and he was going to be the feather in their cap, a, a developmental organization that hasn't developed, quite frankly, uh, or, over the last you know five, six, seven years. They've just come up empty. And this setback stinks. There's no kind way to say it. There's no good way around it. I think you, you you spelled it out very eloquently. There weren't a ton of reasons to tune in uh, on most nights for your casual fan. For those of us that want to squint and kind of look towards the future, his development, talking about Cade Cavalli, was maybe front and center of all of the things. We will talk about some other storylines as the year goes, this Joy Manessis thing. Is it a thing? Was it a fun flash in the pan? World Baseball Classic, a couple homers against Team USA, maybe says that you know he's going to launch right back to where he was, pick up where he left off as one of the great stories in the National League or, or in all of baseball uh, last year, and that's going to be a lot of fun. But man, oh man, the Cade Cavalli train was embarking. We were leaving the station after, frankly, too much time in the minors. Um, if I can editorialize for a moment, he was down there for too long. I wanted to see him at the major league level. We got a start, shut down again. Um, last year with some arm trouble, this was supposed to be the build. This was supposed to be, now you finally see him unleashed to a degree. I'm sure there'd be an innings limit for a team that's planning on losing hundred games, but golly, this one just hurts. This one is not fun. Uh, you know, you touch on the other young guys, right? It's one of these handful of dudes with Kbar Ruiz, Luis Garcia, CJ Abrams, Mackenzie Gore. And I think Cade Cavalli was right there at the front of this thing. Did you have a front of the rotation bona fide electric starter that could miss a ton of bats and and do special things on the mound we won't know for at least another calendar year uh if he can be that guy this one just stinks this was a gut punch i think for nats fans yeah and the thing that stinks so bad about tj and in, in this world of immediacy and you know where we do everything with uh you know with microwaves and, and not crock pots it's not just the one year right because the year gets you into spring training next year but then you're kid gloving him to get him back on the hill. Right. He's a really important arm. And, and while he won't be as young at that point at about 25, like he's young and experienced, right? We're talking about one start and seven innings in the big leagues. So then you're, you're, you're presumably sending him to AAA, like rehab or otherwise. But it's it's a slow buildup and a hard innings restriction, followed by kind of like a year the following season where you can only ramp up so much. So you're, you're into two seasons from now before you get real Cade Cavalli, probably. And then you're three seasons from now before you let it rip and he can go pitch 200-plus innings, possibly. So it, the whole timeline gets altered and changed, and it's just Good very, point. very frustrating um, for fans who have been really excited about this guy. We got the tease of his first four and a third innings where he struck out six batters. 
wasn't a particularly great start. Remember, he walked a couple and gave up six hits and, and seven runs. And immediately after that was shut down last season. So he only pitched the once in the big leagues. To your point, he had thrown almost 100 innings at, at AAA, which seemed like a lot. His ERA was in the mid-threes. He'd struck out more batters than innings pitched. And he'd really rounded into form had been dominant <laughs> for a few weeks before his call-up. So it, it's it's a backbreaker. It really is heartbreaking. Uh, they took him in the first round. And to your point, they would have finally been able to say, we drafted an arm, we developed an arm, he's in our rotation, and he's pitching well. And uh, now they'll have to wait to be able to say that a little while. So in the rotation, what it means is that Chad Cole, who they brought over, former Pirate and some other stops, I think he was in Colorado last Colorado, year. yep. Got knocked around with the Rockies like everyone does at Coors. Um, he'll come into the rotation now, very likely. And I hope that as the season goes on, that becomes you know a healthy Jackson Tatro or maybe Evan Lee's out of the bullpen and into the starting rotation, or or perhaps you know maybe at some point you could send someone like Thaddeus Ward down to the minors and stretch him out and get him some starts. Their Rule Five pick, who's flashed this spring. I just want it to be someone who might have a future and not 60% of your rotation made up with Corbin, who's the worst pitcher in the league the last three years, you know, Trevor Williams, who I think will help them and eat some innings, but who's not going to be here when you're good again. And now Chad Cool, you, you're kind of remaking a bad Pirates rotation from a few years ago. Yeah, it's one thing to get a great band back together. It's another to say, do, what, what, what? We could do the 2020 Pirates again? Um, yeah, that's a good bet, though. But, yeah, it's again, it's we're talking about what? You know, 20% of what should have been the on-paper starts, we're going to go to Cade uh, Cavalli. Now, obviously things happen. It's not going to be exactly 20%, but you, you see the point, right? Every fifth day, you go – I'm tuning into the Nats game tonight, right? It's Bob and FP, or not Bob and FP, uh, the Bob and Franny, or you know, Dave and uh, Charlie and Dave on 106.7 The Fan. What am I going to hear or see? Oh, that's fun! It's Mackenzie Gore. Oh, that's fun! It's Josiah Gray. Oh, that's fun! It's Kate Cavalli. You just took 20% away, just like that, and you filled it with all due respect with a Chad Cool, Trevor Williams, Patrick Corbin, you know, uh, Johnny Holstaff Day or, you know, some other journeyman that's a 4A pitcher at this stage of their career that, as you said, probably won't be part of the furniture here when the team is good by design. That stinks. Again, it's, it's, it's an enjoyment factor. It's a development factor. It's a competitive factor. There's no way to spin it that's good. And, and it makes me think of, quite frankly, we talked about this a lot uh, on this podcast in, in months past, but there's been such a horrible cloud over this team and over this organization since the World Series. Some of it inevitable, right? Some of it happens. Age happens, father time happens, guys, World Series heroes, guys like Sean Doolittle, who've had a lot of mileage, won't be the same guy anymore. Totally understand that. Steven Strasburg coming back down to earth was reasonable, but not like this, not can't lift his arm over his head, not has to stand with his arm like this. I'm you know putting my right hand across my chest so that it's comfortable and doesn't tingle. Not to that degree right? Where nothing has worked. Not one thing that they've done where you go, oh, that's awesome. That's really taken off with flying colors, right? H has really happened in terms of injury, in terms of luck, uh, in, in terms of some of the guys that they've you know counted on or wanted to have. I mean, they thought they were going to be good all the way through the All-Star break basically in 2021. And they weren't. They were a last place club with some of those veterans and stars 
And now they're a last place club without him. And and just again, the, your your eye line towards them being competitive again. Not just competitive, but as good as they were for you know almost a decade long period where they were up there with the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Cardinals and some of the great organizations in the sport seems like ancient history. And, and this is just another log on that fire, man. Yeah, I'm still high on Cavalli. It, it's good. You're going to have to wait now, and it takes patience. But I really do believe he'll be, you know, a possible two, maybe a three for them. I think with him and Gore, who could have a very good season, who we're going to talk to on this podcast coming up in a few minutes, you know, becoming a, a foundational building block. If Gore and Gray can pitch to ERAs in the upper threes or maybe the low fours, I think that probably gets them feeling really, really good going into next season as you get Cavalli back, and then you can add a veteran that isn't a 2020 Pirate, or maybe they'll go get JT Brubaker. I don't know. Um, why, why not get one of the good Pirates, by the way? Like, where's Mitch Keller when I need him? What, what about uh, Joe Musgrove? You could have done that. That's a great bet. Uh, but anyway, uh, I digress. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Bang, zoom. Uh, how about, real quick, a Joey Manessis thought? Now, we shouldn't talk much about their game with Japan because it's going to happen tonight and this will be dated. But just specific to how he's played in the WBC in five games, he is nine for 23 at the plate, hitting 391. Obviously, a multi homer game. Everybody saw six runs batted in. He, he did the uh, two homer trick against the Americans and he's got an OPS over 1,000. Joey Manessis last year was the story in the second half of the season. He was incredible. Danny, I think the expectation from a lot of baseball pundits was, well, that was cute and fun, but right. this isn't sustainable. I mean, what if Joey Manessis is good? You know, and I have no expectations that he's going to hit 35 homers or, or hit 300. Like, those things are crazy. But I think it's very realistic to say that Manessis could hit 25-plus homers and hit 270 or 275. And that could be better in a lineup with more protection. But he's going to be sandwiched between, like, I don't know, uh, Corey Dickerson and Jamer Candelario. So what, 260 average, maybe a 750 OPS, 775 OPS with 25 power, uh, 25 homers, and 25 uh, bombs with the power this year? Like, I could see that, right? That's not crazy. I mean, the bat to ball is there. Uh, that's, that's the thing that I've kind of been um, amazed by consistently enough, right, with him. So I, I don't know exactly what sort of numbers I'm, I'm prognosticating. I think, I think what you just said is that's part of the – the potential window where he might settle. I could see a 275, 280 season where he's north of 20 homers, which here would be quite a fine, to be honest with you, right? Um, you know, I, I don't know 
sustainability. Listen, he had 324, I think, last year with 13 homers, as you said, close to 40 homer pace for the few months that he was up in the major leagues. I don't expect that over 162 games. That's star-level territory, right? I, I don't think that's that. Doesn't mean he's not a really useful big leaguer uh, and can be in a middle or, middle of the order bat with this organization. If he was somewhere else, you know, maybe maybe a uh, a six bat or a seven hitter or something like that for a team that's got aspirations uh, of winning in October. But the idea that they found this thing would be just a really nice deal for this organization. I don't say that flippantly either. They need one of these. They need a guy that nobody thought would be a thing to be a thing. They've been completely devoid of those, uh, it seems, for for years and years here, where a guy that wasn't part of the plans, wasn't really uh, someone that they counted on, sort of emerges and turns into a great story. They've had the opposite happen, where everybody, you know, where Victor Robles, for example, was untradeable. They said no because, uh, you know, when, when the Marlins wanted to include him in a JT Real Muto deal, and they said, no, no, no we can't possibly part with Victor Robles, uh, who got picked off second base the other day, by the way. Uh, we're still doing that. Uh, there in spring training and won't hit his weight again. So, you know, they need a a, a Manessis kind of era of good feelings type story. I, I love his approach, GP. I love uh, the, the swing path and swing plane where the barrel is getting into the zone, staying in the zone for a long time. He's got a little bit of uh, Nick Castellanos in, in his swing, I see it, uh, in terms of that path and plane. I think he can hit at this level. And, you know, it's easy to say after he hit 324 with, with 13 homers in, uh, you know, whatever many weeks last year, but I could see him having a nice campaign. Again, we're not talking about those lofty all-star type stats, um, but I think he could be their best offensive player this year. A dubious honor to be sure, but I think he can hit. Yeah. And I always point out with Manessis, and I guess I should point it out here. Like, it's not like this guy had no track record of being able to hit at the high minors and just emerged from obscurity last year. I mean, we were talking about him on the pod. Yeah, we'd go ahead. By the way, have you noticed this? Yeah. Yeah. Like at that point, it was just kind of this minor league free agent Joey Manessis is tearing the cover off the ball. Like he killed the ball at Rochester last year. 20 homers, a 290 average, an 830 OPS, and 96 games. Like there have been seasons where if you look them up, you go, how in the heck was that guy not called to the big leagues, right? And he just wasn't ever in the, the plan. He wasn't ever part of the crew, the cool kid club that mattered to the organizations he played in. He was just kind of a, a minor league, a roster filler, what they call like an organizational soldier type. Uh, in 2021, he hit two, two, almost 290 with an 860 OPS and, and drove in 70 runs for Boston at AA and AAA. If you go back before that, there, there was a season – uh, at the AAA level for Philadelphia in 2018. So think about this. This is five years ago. Yep. He was 26 at the time. Okay, so it's not like he's, oh, that guy's 30. He's not a you know, big league or whatever. He hit 311 with 23 homers and 82 driven in and 130 games in AAA. Now, I'm not here to tell you definitively that if you can hit in AAA, you can hit in the big leagues. But, I mean, he has long mashed at the 3A level. He's a career 295 hitter with power. At the double-A level, level, he's a career 280 hitter. You know, his OPS at triple-A, 840. Like, this is not new. This is right. what he's always kind of done. And you always and kind of wonder, like, what does the guy have to do? I, well, I, I yeah, keep hitting, I keep hitting at the level I'm at. Don't you, you the guy should try to hit the next level? Yeah. The waiver wire. You know, right. you have to not be signed for nothing. Like, let's not pretend like teams aren't uh, – I don't know if prejudice is an okay word to say, but, like, prejudice against guys like that, right? Like – you know what teams do? They take care of their draft picks. They take care of the guys they've invested money in. Um, 
it's it's hard to break in if you're not wearing one of the members only jackets. Yeah. And I think he's kind of just been a guy. You bring him over and you go, he'll hit, he'll help our minor league team. Like, and you just stash him. And then you're looking for an answer as your team, your big league team is struggling. You're scrolling names. You're like, oh, Manessis is hitting, but he's, he's Manessis. And, and, and you just kind of move along. The other thing is he's never been a prospect because you, you look at it. He, he doesn't really have a defensive position, frankly. I mean, he can play first or corner outfield in that he can stand there with his glove, but it's not particularly pretty or good. So he's kind of a DH. It's not like he hits 40 homers. He hits 20, 25. Um, it's not like he hits 315. You know, he's going to hit 265, 275 probably. So it, it, there's nothing that that is like 70 or 80 on the tools grade. There's no real carrying trait. It, it, athleticism, meh, body, meh. Like the stuff that gets you seen, that makes you a prospect. Do you play a premium position? Are you up the middle? Like all of those things are no's. So I'm not saying anybody like missed on the idea that Joey Manessis should have been this player in the big leagues like seven years ago. What I am saying though is all those things can be true and you can actually be able to roll the pole. Like he can actually right. hit, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think it's a fair assessment, honestly. But, you know, you, you always kind of wonder uh, as an organization, this isn't just picking on the Nats. This is, as you mentioned, Phillies, Red Sox, some teams have been pretty good uh, over those times. You go like, what does somebody have to do? You know, like you're, you're preaching these things to these kids, to these young guys coming up organizational way. We do things this way. Did, did, did that guy do it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, didn't, didn't he check at least one box for, uh, I don't know, a cup of coffee at some point uh, or, you know, filling in for an injury for a couple of weeks here and there. But, but I digress in, in terms of his season and in, in terms of what he might mean here, I, I want to pick your brain on this. What's his future here? Let's say he has the kind of year you and I are talking about. Pretty good, right? A, a major league bat at, as you said, a non-premium position. You're hiding him defensively. Does that mean Joy Manessis national for a couple of years? Does that mean Joy Manessis trade chip? Does that mean something in between? Where are you at on that? I think if he has a strong first half, um, let's say I mean, it's unlikely that he's going to be able to repeat what he did in the second half of last year. But let's say at about the all-star break, you know, he's in the double digits and home runs and he's hitting in two upper 270s, 280s. I think you'd be remiss if you didn't shop him at that point. Now, again, the, the, the runway is small in terms of teams bringing him in. Like how many clubs have a DH opening? You know, and, and, and is it a DH opening where you want to use it on Manessis, right? It just depends. But like yeah. – here, all he's done is rake, okay? Coming up, WBC. So assuming he does that again, like teams need offense. They need power. I, I was on uh, MLB Network Radio this weekend with Jim Bowden, and we were running through the uh, – Jim Duquette, rather. We were running through the American League yeah, uh, East, and we were looking at the, the Jays, the Yankees, and the, the Rays, who were all kind of given a shot to win that division. Tampa's lineup, New York's lineup, are, they're thin. Like these teams need offense. They need run production. They need some power. We're talking about the Yankees. They're so top heavy. They have like four bats at the top. So I, I say that to say that I, I think there's plenty of teams where if someone can hit for a little bit of average and hit the ball over the fence every now and then, you could get something back for that. And I think they're still going to be in a mode this year where pretty much anything that is not like five guys that we've been talking about. Not Ruiz, both of them. Yeah. Garcia and the three arms. 
I, I don't know why you, you wouldn't be willing to part with it. So, yeah, so, I, I would absolutely put him on the trade block if he gets off to a great start. So I would, and, and I'm, I, I, I echo everything you just said. I, you know, it's one of those things where right now best laid plans, right? Well, you know, uh, Jose Altuve broke his thumb. Now, I'm not saying he's going to go to the Astros and play second base, but stuff happens, right, where your best laid plans and, you know, a, a guy that you thought would produce doesn't or a, a rookie comes up and, and doesn't hit the ground running like you think and you got to shuffle some things. Competitive teams whose window is right now can use the help. So if he's hitting, then I think he could be somebody's asset, right? And and they'll go, yeah, prospect, we'll figure that out later on. We'll keep drafting. And for the Nationals, you could sort of hoard and, and, uh, and think about the future. I do wonder, though, and this is just me positing out loud, if the, hey, we need something good here might outweigh that. It shouldn't because I'm with you. I'm, I'm cutthroat and, I, and I'm next year, the year beyond. I don't care. But I wonder if they go, this story is awesome. We can sell this and he's under team control. We can, we can have him for a few years be a nice middle of the order bat if and when we're competitive in, in, in 2025. I don't know if that's no. crazy, but it's not what I would do, but I could see it. So the last part I can't envision, which is like him being a part of the answer in a few years, uh, just based on his age and, and everything else. Having right. said that, I think your point is correct. Like I'm dealing with this emotionless and in a vacuum where I go, this asset is a, a timely piece that I can move now and get something for that I can't get in a year. But you're right. Like people need a reason to go to the ballpark. I mean, it, you're, you're, this team's going to be bad. Yeah. They need a reason to go watch, and he could potentially be one of those reasons. Now, I would say to you, if Josiah Gray throws really well, if Mackenzie Gore becomes a dude, you know, if um, C.J. Abrams has a, a strong year and, and moves up to the top third of the lineup and is a catalyst, like now there's enough to go to the ballpark to see that you don't need the Joey Manessis act. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it's all to be determined probably, but – my hope is Corey Dickerson plays well in the first half. They can flip him. Jamer Candelario has a decent first half. They can move him. Uh, Dominic Smith does something in the first half. They can move him. Like I, I am not getting attached to these guys. And I like, I've always liked Corey Dickerson. I think he can hit. I we like all Dom, the guys you named. Yeah. We had Dom Smith I'm on the spinning. show. <laughs> yeah. What a great guy. Like if you're not, and, and we don't need to go through the names again, but the obvious young guys, if someone wants organizational player of the year, Lane Thomas, he's yours. I, I'm keeping the core and I'm adding as much as I can to the system as they've been doing the last couple of years. Hey, real quick, before we get to Mackenzie Gore, we've got an interview with him coming up here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Uh, I don't care a lot about spring training production. I will say, though, that spring training is more important for some guys than others. Like, uh, Oh, who's the Padres pitcher I was watching the other day? Um, Blake Snell has a, a terrible ERA and is getting rocked this spring. Like, that means nothing to me. I, I don't care about that at all. That guy's a good big leaguer. You know what he is. Yeah, guys with a track record, sure. Mackenzie Gore, I was kind of excited and interested to see what he was going to do this spring. And I'm not sounding any alarms after 14 innings and 21 hits, uh, 12 runs, 11 earned, ERA over seven here. But it has not gone how I would have liked. He's striking out basically – you know, a half a batter every inning or so. He's got nine strikeouts and 14 innings. Uh, and he's been hit around a little bit. On a scale of one to 10, my concern in terms of his season is like a three. But I will just tell you from a spring training standpoint, it has been disappointing. Uh, we'll ask him about it. But what do you make of it? Yeah, it's it. 
it, it makes you ask a question. And that's all I'm going to do is say, hey, does this matter to anybody? This is a data point because we, we don't have that much on Mackenzie Gore. I mean, again, we, we saw him pitch for a little while early last season for San Diego. Uh, he was terrific at times. You know, arm injury starts to creep up. So you can sort of explain away the the OK numbers uh, for, for a young, hotly, uh, uh, highly viewed prospect, rather. The strikeout numbers kind of make me scratch my head a little bit. I want to ask him about that, certainly. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, we're not seeing every pitch of spring training here. So I don't know how many of those are exit velocity, you know, triple digits. How, how many of those are bullets in the gap? How many of those are absolutely crushed? And how many are swing and bun infield hits? How many are soft contact? How many are just, you know, ground balls with eyes that, that would have been gobbled up by a shift last year that aren't, you know, and, and we got some of that data. But so, no, concern isn't the right level. I mean, you always you don't know what, what a guy's mandate is when it comes into a start in spring training. And again, we'll ask him about this. But it's like, you've got to locate five change-ups to this quadrant. I don't give a damn what happens to those change-ups, even if a guy's sitting on them. You've got to locate four curveballs here, two, three sliders here. I want five four-seamers here. I don't know. You don't know what guys are working on uh, to certain degrees. You don't know if he's going, I've got to put the pedal to the metal to make this team, or I'm very concerned about throwing 175 innings for this club. I'm pacing myself. I don't know that. And, and that's something we, you know, I'd love to be able to find out. We'll talk to him, obviously, here in a, in a few moments uh, to get some of those details. But you, you're right. Spring stats, I, I don't overreact to the good ones. I mean, we, we do this annual ritual with Michael A. Taylor for so many years where he's sitting 462 with 11 homers. And I go, I don't care about that from, uh, from April until October. Then he's awesome in October, by the way. Um, and I kind of don't overreact to, to negative ones either. It just, it, it's a question. And that's all I, I kind of treat it as at, at this point. I want to know. Now, if he comes on and says, yeah, I'm really pissed off. This isn't what I want. I'm not pitching well. Okay, I'd like to know about that as well. But, but yeah, I, I tend not to overreact, good or bad, uh, to spring numbers. Gore, a top prospect for a couple of years in the minor leagues, is a former number three overall pick at a Whiteville High School in Whiteville, North Carolina. Went to high school um, at, at Whiteville and was drafted out of high school in the top five and immediately started to make his way through the minor leagues. And initially, his numbers were just unheard of. Hit a rough patch in the minors before getting to the show and then broke out last year as one of the best pitchers in the game early on. Ended up getting hurt and kind of coming back to the pack a little bit. And his final ERA was four and a half and 13 starts in 16 games. But he was one of the got to have it pieces if you were going to trade Juan Soto to San Diego. A lefty who's 24, who sits in the mid 90s, who's got a really good chance to be a, a front of the rotation type starter. And, and that's what the Nats are trying to do is is basically throw enough arms at the board that one of them is going to stick here, right? Maybe it's Cavalli. Maybe it's Gore. Maybe it's Josiah Gray. But that's what the good teams do. And, and you got five slots. So eventually they'll all be in the rotation, hopefully anyway. But let's get to our conversation with Mackenzie Gore here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Long gone! And as promised, we're joined now by Mackenzie Gore, the left-handed pitcher who's going to be making his Nationals debut. First trip through the rotation here when the season begins next week, and we are fired up about it. Mackenzie, thanks for joining us on Grant and Danny. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, bud. Let's go in, into spring stats. What are we supposed to care about? We're just pudgy idiots at home watching you, yeah. the real grown-ups on television, trying to figure out and interpret – so what are you looking at? What do you care about? Is it, you know, my my spin rate was X, my mechanics were Y, or do you care about results at all? Walk us through it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, spring results, they really don't mean anything. 
Um, it is nice to have some good ones. Uh, but, I mean, biggest thing is how we're feeling. We're building up as starters. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, how the delivery is moving and um, getting that to be very consistent, you know, by the – as you can by the end of spring. And that usually is easier to do once you're throwing more pitches in a game. So, uh, so, yeah, I feel good. You know, a couple things to work on uh, here in the next, you know, few days. But yeah, I feel good. I like where, where we're at and um, just keep – Getting ready for the next one. So, presumably, you'll get one more start. I would guess you probably know the schedule already of when you'll throw again, and then what it looks like for the the first big league start and when that will be. But you said you're close, so give us an idea of how you feel if you were taking them out in a big league game. You know, tomorrow, how how you would um, kind of go about your prep and what you want to work on between now and when we see you in a Nats uniform start of April. Uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, some some more consistency, you know, with the delivery. Um, but we were, we were really good early and, you know, the last couple haven't been as, you know, sharp. But there have been some, you know, some flashes of some good things. And, um, and but it's also been nice to, you know, I have had to work with, you know, some runners on with this new clock thing and uh, which is, you know, that I'm glad that that happened. I didn't just cruise and. We got some runners on early that we didn't know what to do with, you know, 15 seconds of getting a sign. And, um, but yeah, I feel good. I'm, I'm ready to roll. And, uh, we got another one on Wednesday. And that's kind of all I'm, all I know at this, you know, up to this point. So, yeah, Mackenzie, what's that adjustment been like? I mean, baseball players for, you know, 100 and however many years, right? Have done it one way. And now all of a sudden you're on a clock. It's got to be a, a major change. What's good about it? What's been tough to adjust to? Uh, yeah, I mean, really, it's just something you have to pay attention to. Uh, it's, you know, another thing to kind of focus on. Uh, but, it, you know, at this point, we're, we've gotten used to it. Uh, I think last start, you know, a guy called Tom, then I held the ball for like 10 seconds uh, once he got in the box to the point where I was like, all right, I'm probably holding a little long for myself here. Um, but a little things like that where it's, you know, you can – and then I got a double play ball because – you can use it in that way, which is cool, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's just it's kind of where we're at. This is this is what we're rolling with. So, do you plan on tinkering in that way? It sounds like you know Max Scherzer has publicly talked about maybe trying to use it to his advantage or or you know get a benefit out of holding the ball, kind of maybe deking a batter, quick pitching at times. Like, do you plan on trying to manipulate the clock a little bit to your benefit? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, using it you know, to help where it's not affecting any, anything I do. Um, but, yeah, if it's if there's a way you can get a hitter off balance for sure um, or a base runner, uh, you know, whatever it is. So we're definitely going to, you know, find ways to use it to our advantage and uh, see what happens. Mackenzie, this is such a unique situation in, in general. For, for a young guy, in a lot of organizations, a lot of times, you'd be competing to, to make the, the major league club to, to come out of spring training, right? Well, here's a, it's a different story. I mean, eyes wide open, you're going to be in the rotation. So how do you treat the spring big picture, right? Do you still feel like I got to compete every day or it's I got to pitch 180 innings this year and I got to gear up towards that and there's a balance there. I'd love for you to give me your thought process. Uh, yeah, uh, different. Um, and it was, you know, I, I'd never pitched – here before. Um, so yeah, a lot of new things going on this spring uh, in Florida and finally putting some red on. And, uh, but yeah, just really, it's just day by day. Let's just get ready for the season. Um, 
you know, I know what I need to do, where, how close I am or, you know, um, so really it's just, well, this is where we need to get to by, um, whatever the date is. And, um, that's kind of where we're at. So Mackenzie Gore lefty with the nationals joining us from spring training on Grant and Danny here, um, was the top pitching prospect in San Diego system for multiple years, was a top 10 prospect in all of baseball, former top five pick out of Whiteville high school in, in Whiteville, North Carolina, and was a centerpiece and one of the key components of the Juan Soto deal coming over to D.C. We didn't get to see him because he was shut down uh, end of last season. But you know, really at the start of last year, McKenzie, uh, you were a top five pitcher in the league for, for several trips through the rotation for a couple months. I mean, nobody was hitting you. Nobody was scoring. You ended up with really respectable numbers in 13 starts and 16 games. Kind of came back to the pack after you weren't 100%. But, man, was your first couple of months incredible. I mean, you were the front runner for the Rookie of the Year award. What did that do for your confidence, and, and what does that stretch tell you about like, what you're capable of? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always good to have success early um, when you get to the big leagues. Um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was kind of until mid-June uh, until we you know, started you know, hitting some bumps, and uh, which is part of this game. This game's hard. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, really just the stuff and the way I was able to kind of learn things every start and then kind of improve each time. I, I felt like I got a little better each start. Um, and then we kind of put those three quality starts together right there at the end of May, early June. And, um, so it was fun. You know, the stuff was good. I mean, yeah. We'd all love to have, you know, whatever it was, the one and some change ERA, but it's more what the stuff was and the way I, how I was able to get, you know, into the sixth, seventh inning of games. So, yeah, well, well your stuff is certainly nasty. It speaks for itself. Uh, it's a devastating mix. What do you want to build on this year? The start that Grant mentioned was unbelievable. Uh, the stuff clearly plays. You were a bona fide big leaguer at this stage. The, the sky's the limit for you and your potential. What's kind of your next step in terms of a goal for you? What do you want to build on this year and be a little bit better than maybe you were last year? Um, I, I think what, you know, what Davey and uh, Hickey have talked about a lot of spring is kind of winning counts, uh, getting ahead of guys when you watch, you know, these guys that are consistently the best pitchers in the game, if, you know, watching Sandy the other day or or whoever it is, they're just ahead. And um, when you have good stuff and the hitters are, if they miss a pitch, then they're in trouble, you know, it makes it a lot easier for us. So getting into good counts consistently and, um I think that that'll make it where one I can go deeper into games, and it just makes it where we're, you know, it's a lot easier to pitch when you're ahead 0-2 than you know two one two zero. So, Mackenzie Gore, the Nationals here on Grant and Danny. What's your rapport like that you've been building now with K. Barrett Ruiz? How long does that take to really kind of be on a, the equal page? Because that becomes more, more important with less time now than ever before. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean the biggest thing is communication. Um, you know, you can only throw to him so much, you know, we can't pitch every day. So, um, the biggest thing is communicating. Um, and there will be a lot more of that when they're scouting reports and when we start game planning for teams and, um, right now I've kind of, you know, let him, I want to see what he liked to do and what he kind of, if he sees something that I've never done before that, um, uh, both him and Riley. So, um, yeah, really just, we, we have to communicate on the same page before we go out there and if we do that we, we should be good to go 
how much of scouting reports do you just sort of follow, McKenzie? In other words, a guy might have a pretty good set of results on you know, fastballs middle in, but he hadn't seen your fastball middle in. You know what I mean? Like, what's the balance yeah. there in terms of how comfortable you are in a given spot versus what the book says? Uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is I like to know it just so I feel prepared. Um, it's kind of, you know, studying for a test. You, if you go in knowing what you need to know, then you're going to just be more confident. Um, and, you know, that being confident comes with preparation. So we can do all the stuff physically, but there also is a mental side where I feel like if I know, if I do get in a spot where I do know where they struggle and I haven't gone there yet or something, then, um, third or fourth time through the order, then, you know, that's the time we could use it. So I like to know things just so I feel confident and ready to go. Mackenzie Gore on G&D getting ready for the start of the season. Uh, if we're looking at like a pie graph toward the end of the year of your pitches by start, like percentages, it, and I know every start's different and you're attacking a lineup based on weaknesses, but just generally when you're right, like what should or do you expect that to look like? What percentage of time do you throw fastball? and How does your pie graph look? Uh, yeah, I think the um... – you know, of course, you know, I, I like my fastball. I do think the percentage of the fastball needs to go down um, some, uh, which is, you know, just using the other three pitches a little more and keeping, you know, guys there. It's hard. It's a lot harder to guess when, you know, at 60 plus percent, you know, you, you can kind of go dead red. And, and if I'm off a tick and they're sitting dead red, they can hit it. So, um um, I think I think the, the fastball percentage going down some and just using all four weapons. Um, the changeup's gotten a lot better this spring. That's something that me and Hickey have worked on, and I've used it and got swing and miss. And it's a you know it's been a good pitch when when thrown on the zone. So uh, going out there with four weapons and using them is you know it's, it's a big deal. So is that something that you learned in season last year, just based on results, or was that? The conversation you had with someone, are you a particularly analytical guy studying numbers on Savant or something? Or, or is someone in the organization saying, hey, let's turn up the fader on some of this off-speed stuff? Like, where does that philosophy come from? Uh, yeah, yeah. Last year, uh, which is, you know, part of this league that adjust. I was throwing – I had a really good fastball, and when I had a lot of success, I was throwing it a lot. And, um, but then it got to the point where if I did get 2-1 or, you know, whatever the count was, it was – a pretty high percentage fastball and people were selling out and, and I, you know, as the, whatever reason I was throwing, not as hard, uh, started happening. They were, they were on the heater and they started, you know, I had some starts where I gave a couple of touchdowns. And, uh, <laughs> so you I think you know, extra points though, you know, you got it. Oh yeah. A couple, couple extra points, two point conversions. It was tough. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, but I think, yeah, just being able to use other pitches and, and counts like that where they can't just, you know, sit dead red heater is uh, is going to help a lot. Mackenzie, are you are you a tinkerer? In other words, just in terms of feel where it's like you, your, your four-seamers normally this way, but you know what? All of a sudden when you're playing catch in the outfield, you're getting some more takeoff. So you, you bring that into a bullpen or into a game. Same with the other kind of grips. Or, or you go, these are my four grips. Don't talk to me. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think there's a feel thing that, and it's not when I say tinker, it's probably something very small. Um, but you, when you go into a start, there, some things are a little better than others that day. And that's part of learning, learning how to know what you have that day is also some things might not be there first three innings and then it shows up in the last last three. It's just it's crazy. And, um, but, yeah, understanding that if I can tinker something just a little bit to feel better, then 
um, yeah, that can help a lot. Mackenzie Gore, Grant and Danny, a couple of minutes left with the lefties. Uh, going to be a blast to watch this year and one of the biggest stories for the 2023 Nationals. So we had Josiah Gray on last week, and I asked him this question in this way. We had some fun with it. So I want to bring it back for you. We talked about the pitch clock a little bit, but we said you got to sign, you got to trade, and you've got to just outright release one of these three, okay? So it's the pitch clock. It's the only get to throw over twice. And it's the, I guess, the size of the bases. Was that the three rules? Shifts. That was, the shifts. Oh, that's right. The banning of the shifts. So you have to, so we're, we're ranking them one, two, and three, but you have to sign one, you have to trade one, and you have to cut one uh, of those rules. So rank them for us. Uh, I'm going to cut the bang of the shifts. If you want to if you want to do your research and uh, put some guys where you think they need to be, go for it. Um, there's a reason they stopped the shifts because they were working. So, right. Um, Right. Hey, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Don't penalize yeah. me for it. And, and then the other two, like, yeah, whichever one you want to sign or trade. Uh, I would probably trade the shot, the pitch clock. Um, and I would, you know, the picking over twice, that's fine. Yeah. So uh, that's probably what I'd go with. Well, they had to do something. You guys are too good. That's what happened. Pitching got too nasty, and they go, we got to invent something here. Uh, <laughs> give, me, give me somebody that has stepped in the box against you, and you went, oh, my God, that's – Fill in the blank. Yeah, I never had, you know, the wow moment um, where I was like, all right, you know, wow, this is, uh, you know, this guy's hitting. Um, when Harper steps in the box, you know he can hit. Um, that was a guy when I faced him, I was like, this guy can do some damage. Um, so I, I would say he's probably the, the he's the best hitter I faced. And um, when he stepped in, you're like, we, we, we need to make good pitches right here. Um, and so I'd probably go with him as, you know, the best hitter. One more quick baseball one and then a couple fun things for you. Uh, WBC, we're watching this as a country. We're all in. We're loving this. As a baseball player, my wife actually asked me this question. We were watching the game last night, and I I just guessed. She's like, do you think the other major leaguers like that aren't playing in this are watching and care about this? And I'm like, eh, they do baseball all day. They probably just go home and do what they do. But I'll ask you, like, do you, are you invested if we win or not on Tuesday night? Yeah, I've watched. Um, I don't know. I can't tell you I've watched every pitch, but I've, I, keep, I keep up with games. And there's a lot going on right now with basketball. And uh, but uh, I have watched the games. Really, I mean, we we know a lot of these guys too. So uh, um, yeah, I'm for sure. Yeah, but I want us want us to win. If Mackenzie Gore was not a big league pitcher, what would you be doing? <sighs> I have no idea. I wish I had a good answer for you, but I, I don't. <laughs> That, that gives you an idea of why you're a big league pitcher. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you put all your eggs in that basket. It's that's right. That's right. Uh, what is the last TV show that you binge that you really liked? Mm, probably Suits. Okay. Yeah. I've seen that one, but I've heard it's good. What about yeah. favorite movie or something you saw recently that was good? Uh, favorite movie is I'm a Wedding Crashers guy. That's my. Uh, that's my movie. So. So I, first, I think I watched that movie when I went to bed, like every night for like, two months in yeah, a row. Dozens of times, especially the first like hour 10. It's a, an amazing comedy. The last yeah. 45 minutes is a sneaky romantic comedy. It's like a relationship. Yeah, you know how we got right? to put some love in there. So. <laughs> but So, Mackenzie, we asked this question of, of, of a lot of guys. For me, the answer is cocktail shrimp, okay? That's yeah. my eating contest food. I can mm. eat cocktail shrimp and win contests. For whatever reason, I could just dip it and rip it. If you had to, like, to, for the fate of the planet, 
win an eating contest, what food would you pick? What's your eating contest food? Probably like some sushi. Really? I would not have guessed that. Walk me through your sushi order. Are you one of those people like where they scold you when you order it because it's too much? You know what I'm talking about? You get that at the Japanese restaurant where they're like, um, no, no, no. And you're like, no, it's just for me. I promise. Yeah. I uh, Yeah, I just – I like sushi. I like trying new things. Yeah. Um, but sushi, I really enjoy sushi. So uh, – and I can – I mean, I feel like sushi just don't get – it doesn't fill me up really. So I can eat as much as I want. And I'm just like, well, I can still probably eat something else. So Normally, I always say to the, the guys that will be new to D.C., I'll help you out. I'll send you to the right places. I can't help you on sushi, but I hope you find – yeah, I'll, I'll let you know if I find something. Yeah. Please do. <laughs> if you need a good steakhouse, I'm your guy. I got you there. Mackenzie, yeah. thank you. We appreciate you. Have a great season, man. We're uh, pulling yeah. for you to have a big 2023. Yeah, appreciate it. Good to have Mackenzie Gore on Bustin' Loose Baseball. So we had Josiah Gray last week, Mackenzie Gore this week. Uh, maybe we got to catch up with my guy Cole Henry next week. Who's coming back from Thoracic Outlet. Touched 96 miles an hour the other day. Amazing. Been texting with him. He feels great. So uh, let's get him on the show. He's a cool dude. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, let people know, Danny, what they need to do to be a part of this growing fraternity here. Anywhere. And I mean this. Anywhere you get your podcast, you can find it, right? Bust and Loose Baseball. Uh, search Grant and Danny. You will find us. We'll come up. We need reviews. If you say something nice about us, we'll say something nice about you. We are very, the bar is very low in terms of our threshold. We are selling ourselves for compliments. Uh, like, rate, review, subscribe, all of that good stuff. And the 106.7 The Fan YouTube page, if you're a visual person, that's cool too. You can see our pudgy faces. I've got huge bags under my eyes uh, from my children. They keep me up late at night and then wake me up very early in the morning. It makes you very cranky. If you want to see us, you can do that as well. We're right there on the YouTubes. You can subscribe and get these kinds of things. And you can be notified when it happens. I loved this comment that we got on our last podcast of last season. It felt like a, you know, like the comments you see in a movie trailer that like a black screen with white letters and yeah, yeah, yeah. pop out at you, right? You should uh, go see this movie because someone liked it. Yeah. Uh, Todd at 467 said the must listen podcast for any Nats fan, yeah. informative, insightful, and wildly entertaining. Wildly entertaining. Let's put that on a t-shirt, shall we? Uh, we can get Darius to uh, make that up for us here. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening and watching. Thank you so much. We are back at it later in the week. Uh, I believe the plan is going to be starting this week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're going to post the pod. Is that right? I believe that's what we're doing. I think it's. we said we were going to do that, and then nobody else, like there's, I don't know, there's no contract. I think we're just going to do that, right? Yeah. That's what we're doing? That is the plan. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, you should expect your – Nat's content from us here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Thanks so much. We'll catch you on Thursday.